0: Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturlus. power of us. We're going to be, be here for a while on this because it has just come to life. It is life-changing and redirecting for me. I think it's speaking straight to the heart of New Hope Church. Next Sunday we're going to get very real about this. By the way, I need to say some things. I just have so many things to tell you. For the next six months to nine months, uh, we uh, have put together an Abaco relief, I forgot the exact name of the page, disaster relief page. And uh, New Hope, we are coordinating six uh, 6 man teams. We can support two, up to 12, where there will be food and housing uh, to go. Tonight, I'm going to go to be part of the Encore celebration at 6 p.m., and I hope to come away from there with six. Six of our Encore uh, worshipers committed to be a six-man team to make a trip over there and go and bring hope to the people of, Man of War Key. Okay. The reason we're doing that, I'll show you on a map next week of why we're choosing Man of War Key. It's a footprint. It's five miles from Elbow Key, five miles from Marsh Harbor, five miles from Guana Key, and it will become a base camp in the months to come. Uh, from which we can operate and bring hope to other places. The devastation is just incredible. Now, I'm just going to stop on that for right now. But getting to share this message last week was very powerful. Let's jump right into uh, the power of us. And I want to be very clear what I mean about the power of us because you're going to hear so much more about it. The power of us is not simply the power of us in this room or people gathering together with common cause. By the way, I forgot to tell you, I, got, I did come back with a new t-shirt. You can see that, okay? And on the back, it says that. It says, Disaster Relief, New Hope Church. And it was amazing getting stopped in airports and being asked about that and getting to share why New Hope sees it important as bringing hope. And we're going to come right and land squarely on that this morning, okay? We're going to return to a scripture from two weeks ago, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. And I do hope to get this done in 14 minutes or less, because I, have to, I really have to zone in on one point that is critical to us. It will speak to you. I believe it will speak to life and purpose of new hope. I, again, this phrase, the power of us, is going to be redefining. And to finish what I started a moment ago, the power of us is not just us. It's not just us getting together. But when us gets together, the power of us is the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit engaged with us. But we don't see that engagement with them until we start saying us instead of me, my, I, and you. That is true where you work, and that is true in your marriage. Two weeks ago, I told you, if you want to see this invisible mysterious force come into your workplace and into your job and into your marriage, start saying us instead of me, my, I, and you. When you translate your orientation to us, it's amazing. That is where the Holy Spirit begins to be involved. Go back two weeks ago, the teaching is online from 2 Timothy chapter 1, and it is just amazing and a a beautiful piece of scriptural poetry, how the Holy Spirit introduces himself when I, me, my, and you suddenly becomes us, God says, the Holy Spirit says, I want in on that. I want in on that. It is true in your marriage. Watch your language. If it's I, me, my, and you, to some extent the Holy Spirit's sitting on the side, but when you turn that to, you know, Us and we and ours. And the language is there. Go listen to that teaching. It's about 30 minutes long. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast. Everybody say hold fast. (laughs) The confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Now, the word confession there, again, I'm going to simplify this. There's a longer definition. But for our purposes, and if you're, by the way, if you're new here and you say, Listen, I've been in church, and that's not what the word confession means. Please email me, Tom at New Hope Online, Tom at New Hope Online, and say, can you explain that? I will send you audio files and outlines. There it is on the screen, tom at newhopeonline.com, because here comes the statement. Confession is this. It's not just what we do when we sin. Confession is a constant state of worship where I say what he says. I say what he says instead of what I feel. I say what he says instead of the result of my conditioning and my past. I begin to say what he says. Well, what does that mean? I begin to say what the Word of God says. I begin to say what the Word of God says concerning my future. I begin to say what the Word of God says concerning who I am and what I will be. I begin to say what the Word of God says concerning my marriage, my job, my outcomes, my gifts, and my calling, and my sense of purpose. It begins to replace the language. But once again, that is the point at which God gets involved when I say what He says. Now, in the strictest sense, the Word of God says, if we sin, if we confess our sin, what does that involve? Because when we sin, listen, when we sin, it falls under this category for certain. I have just done something other than what God said is the ideal or best for my life. Sin is simply that, doing something other than what God says is the best or the word is righteous, ordered for my life. So I come back to him and say, Father, uh, here I am, and I am ready to accept your opinion above my opinion of my current circumstance, which means I'm going to accept your word and I'm going to act on your word, which means I'm going to say, I'm not going to do it my way, I'm going to do it your way. See, confession is this huge thing. So why would he say, hold fast your confession of hope without wavering? That's what the word says. Why do we waver? It 's amazing that Hebrews and just leave that uh, in this same book in the next chapter, Hebrews 11:1 would say, Amanda, you can leave this verse up. But Hebrews 11:1 would say, "Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. How many know we live a life as followers of Christ with a destination that is largely invisible? In the most grand sense, Hebrews 11:1 is referring to heaven, if we will, that place, that final Uh, eschatological fulfillment, whatever theologians want to call it. And it is largely unseen. But as we've studied in last year and recent months, there is also a continually or a continuing unseen aspect to our life. What does that mean? Drew, it means that there are unseen possibilities that God's wanting to call forth and bring out of your life. There are unrealized things that He would do through you, son, purposes you haven't even embraced or discovered yet. We have an unseen factor of our faith that we live. And notice the language. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things I can't see. Once again, do you realize that our compass bearing is set that way? And someone says, where are you going? You say, that way. Do you know that, it, that, that our father of faith, Abraham, was called to go to a land he couldn't see? God said, go that way. Do you know that defines our faith by every estimation of world philosophy and understanding? That we live moving in a direction towards a destination that they can't see, And is only held by eyes of the heart read hebrews chapter 11 we're moving towards an invisible destination in reality of our life what do you mean exactly by that that hope is involved in taking a next step forward in faith and there is somehow this fulfillment of realization of purpose and promise and presence in our life, as we take a next step forward in a life of faith. But how many know when you're living and walking out this invisible life, that by every measurement the world around you cannot see or verify, it speaks against, it brings evidence against time after time, that it's not hard to get blown off course ever so slightly. We can waver. Now, why would I bring that up? Because of the word hold fast. That word hold fast, kateko, means to steer or correct a course. And it was the task of a helmsman. That when a ship would move off course, it would be brought back on. If it didn't move off course, that means it was being held on course. Beloved, can I tell you that the Holy Spirit is at work in our life doing both. It is putting us on course, but watch what provision is made. You are gonna run into things in life, in your marriage, your job, in your own personal existence that's gonna blow you off course. And the hope that you hold here today will be challenged before the sun sets tomorrow. That wind is going to push against your life. Ephesians talks about it. Tossed about by every wind of doctrine and scheme and thing that would blow against our life. But the Bible said there is a hope for getting back on that course of faith. What is the answer to that? I'm glad you asked. Let's keep reading. Let us consider how we may stimulate one another to love and good deeds Not forsaking our assembling together, and that is not just church worship. We'll talk more about that next week. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the end drawing near. This is the third time in in this book that the writer uses the phrase, hold fast. In the weeks ahead, we're going to be looking at the other two. But I want you to note something here, that when we are blown off course, what is the method and the means of getting back on course? This word encourage has been part of our worship and a deep part of the fabric of the faith of New Hope for many, many years here. This compound term, parakaleo, means to call out, called alongside, to call out. It doesn't mean just to offer someone a nice compliment about their appearance or who they are, but it is far deeper than that. It's something of great substance. It is the result of one believer walking beside another, and the Holy Spirit who is in each of us begins to draw us together. And we can look into one another's life and one another's heart, and when we encourage, we are calling forth something that is there by deposit from another world. Now, it is interesting that this a very similar derivative of this is used to describe the work of the Son. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to notice this. It says, we have an advocate, little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, how many know that there's that provision? It said, love for you not to, but if anyone does, and may I say you will, we have an advocate. Everybody say advocate. That's the word parakletos. A similar family of terms from parakleto. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Did you know Jesus would say on the night that he would be arrested, I'm going to the Father because if I don't go to the Father, the Holy Spirit can't come. I talked about that several weeks ago and why that economy uh, in the kingdom took place. Because Jesus was the payment for sin. The Holy Spirit was not. He said, I'm going as a payment. And when he got there, we read the verse, or hear the verse in Revelation chapter 5. It says, thou art worthy to receive glory and honor, for you have purchased from men of every tribe and tongue and nation. You have purchased them for the Father with your blood. Jesus got there. You see, Jesus was the one, and listen to the preacher, in Revelation chapter 4, he takes a scroll from the Father in Revelation 4 and 5. He takes a scroll of God's will, and He's the one that starts to open it. Beloved, here's, here's the teaching summarized. I believe on the last day in the Garden of Eden, there was a will of God that had been set forth for mankind on this planet, but mankind crashed and burned, and that scroll was sealed up. But when the Jesus the righteous came... The Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, who died on the cross, it said He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And Revelation says He took that scroll from His hand and He started opening the seals because He said, I'm here to reinitiate what was rolled up and closed up and shut up on the last day of Eden. The Father still has a purpose for you, still has a purpose for the earth, and I'm here to start opening it up. So He is at the right hand of the Father, and he is literally calling forth, advocate, see that? Calling forth from the Father the possibilities for you and for me. The Holy Spirit in John 15, 26, Jesus goes and speaking right there and he says, when the helper, that is the same word, parakletos, when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he'll testify about me. Watch this. When this hit me just a few weeks ago, it lit me up. We have Jesus, the Son of God, who died, was resurrected, and according to the opening chapter of the book of Acts, He ascended to the Father, and according to Hebrews, is at the right hand of the Father. According to the book of John, He is an advocate, calling forth from the Father the will of God and the possibilities of God for you and for me. But He's not the only caller-forther. He traded places with the Holy Spirit, if you will. And after the resurrection, in Acts chapter 2, it said, when the day had fully come, there was a sound. A sound very much like happened up until the last day in the Garden of Eden when Scripture says they daily heard the sound of Him walking in the garden. But on that last day, it ended. But in Acts chapter 2, which is 1,340,280 some days, If you're going to be a literalist, and I don't know that I am, there had not been one of those days. But Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, when the day came, there was a sound. There was a sound. And at that day, the caller forther showed up on the planet. Now here's how it works. Here's exactly how it works and why it's important, because you see, what Jesus calls forth from the Father for us, the Holy Spirit calls forth from the Son into the hearts of those who walk and live together, but here comes our job. We are responsible, we're involved in the power of us. The Trinity engages us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit engages us. I want to show you what that looks like. Patrick, where are you? I know you got a baby, you're about to... Where Are you sitting with your family? Patrick the drummer. Where are you, Patrick? Go sit on the drums cage, son. You get to be on the throne. You're God the Father. I didn't hear your wife say, oh me, so I'm figuring you had a good week. That's God the Father. Uh, who else can I pick on? Drew, I picked on you. Uh, I'm going to save you for the Holy Spirit. Um, Dylan, you're busy holding baby. Okay, so we got that. Chip? Come out here. You get to be the son. Everybody say, hello, Jesus. Okay. He's Jesus. Stop right there. That'll work. Now, Drew, if you would come up here on the stage, and you get stand right about over there when you get there, son. I'm going to show you how this works. Now, from a camera shot, y'all are going to be covered, so stand a little farther, right over there by that speaker. That'll work. Now the camera can see all three of y'all. I need to, to make the, the Father sort of glowing more, but since this is impromptu and I didn't tell anybody from the lighting, that's okay. Now let's see, who do I need to, to, to pick on for a moment? Matt, you shouldn't have sat so close, okay? Um, you come and stand right here because I'm going to come down there with you because they're going to be just a little bit up above this. I want you to see the Father on the throne, and I want you to see the Son forever positioned before the throne. Now, I don't believe, it says the Son uh, has been seated, but for our purposes of illustration, I want you to be on bended knee. That is not the way it is, but turn towards the Father, as if you are calling forth the possibilities of the eternal will of God on behalf of those for whom this Savior has died. He doesn't kneel, he's seated, but I'm doing something just for us to get a visual. But what happens is, stand up there, Jesus, and turn away from the throne and face the Holy Spirit. He's not done. As I said several weeks ago, they've set up a phone call that never goes unanswered. The Holy Spirit here on earth in us right now is the one calling it forth from the Son. What the Son has paid for, purchased, and summoned, and is advocating on our behalf before the throne of God, He summons forth, but the Holy Spirit is there receiving of the, uh, what, the Holy, what Jesus has summoned. Everybody get this transaction? You see, but here's why I can't illustrate it. Because that same Holy Spirit that's on this earth, He lives in me. He lives in Matt. But here's what happens. When the Father, whose will is released at the result of the Son advocating constantly for us before the throne of God, and it's not like he's needing to beg, he simply is the conduit. He's the transformer, if you will, uh, stepping down the power. The Holy Spirit receives of it, unleashes it in me, and my words to Matt go right back, because I've known him since he was a child, believe it or not. And, uh, son, I can't tell you how proud I am of you. As I've grown to see you become the man of God, you are so much like your father, it scares me. Uh, You're quiet, you're constant, you don't want to be in the front, and I didn't pick on you for that. I mean, I knew that about you, and I didn't say, well, I don't care what you think. This just happened, okay? But the man of God you are in quiet constancy where no one sees and no one knows uh, is an incredible thing. And I want to tell you that your boys are going to grow to be great man of god because they're going to see how you live towards your wife serving in absolute unwavering constancy when you went through that injury it was going to be okay you just said it's going to be okay not many people nearly cut their hand or finger or whatever you nearly cut off and then recover from it and say it's going to be okay but you are one of the great young men of new hope that i believe will rise to a place of influence and speaking the Word of God, because it's in you. You got it from your father, just like Timothy got it from his mother and grandmother. You got it, and from your mom and dad, it's been passed down. And I told you that a couple years ago, that I had this little image revision of you just standing in front of a group of men, teaching them the Word of God. That's going to come to pass. It may be after I'm gone. I hope not, but it may be. But you're going to be, you're part of that next tribe coming over the horizon right now. Now, I went on to say all of these things. Yeah, we can celebrate that. What you just felt in this room wasn't, wow, those were such nice words. I wish there would have been music playing or something. That's not what it was. It was the Holy Spirit at work. Now, we're going to continue this series, and I'm going to stop right here. It was longer than 14 minutes. I need all of you guys, if you would, right now, and I'm about to explain to you why. Just get up with the family, make your way however you were previously. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.